Hey guys, and welcome to the latest episode of The Red Corner. This is episode six. Uh, we've got myself, Will, we've got Roy, we've got Max, and we've got a Swansea fan today. We've got Matt, an actual Welshman. Hello. Hi. Say okay. hi, guys. <laughs> God. Brilliant. I was expecting Matt to come straight in, like, hey, but... <laughs> Matt. Should I just, like, come in and just give my full match report? <laughs> just straight away, without introduction. So we had the Liverpool-Swansea game today. Final score, 4-3. If you didn't watch it, sorry about that. Um, yeah, wasn't a great performance from Liverpool, but it was gutsy enough to come through in the end, thanks to dodgy handling from Michel Vorm and just storage, basically. That storage kind of won us the game. Yeah, well, uh, I think I think it's a bit harsh um, to criticise Michel Vorm for the fourth, maybe. Um, good reactions to keep the initial effort out, but yeah, I think I, you know, overall, um, the difference between the two sides was was Daniel Sturridge, um, just just better quality of player. Um, it was a great game, I guess. From your point of view, you'll think it's a poor performance from Liverpool. Um, from ours, we'll just look at it and say, well. We get we had you pressed until the ninety third minute, so you know it was as an analysis, as a, like a real brief synopsis is concerned. I'm a relatively happy Swansea fan, believe it or not. <laughs> I was I was very impressed with Swansea. Um, I think with the Michel Vaughan thing, it seemed like the kind of thing that last season where we really didn't have any luck at all. Michel Vaughan would have had that in his hands, two hands, and it would have been three all, or you'd gone on to nick the game four three. That was the theme from last season. This season we got the. Def- we got the rebound. Henderson bundled him. Henderson had a good solid game. Um, Joe Allen, former Swansea man, came off the bench and was probably in that spell alongside Henderson, our best midfielder. I yeah. was really impressed with Alan, Allen today. Yeah, he played um, Our defence was awful. Ashley Williams, it's... as much as he is a rat bag, did have a good game, particularly near the end where you were trying to attack at 4 3. How do you see it in terms of, um, from the outside looking in, um, from my point of view, I see uh, Tory and Skirtle as the reason why Liverpool won't be challenging for the title uh, when the awards are dished out at the end. Do you agree? Do you think those two are your weak links? 100%. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, it's not just those two. It's, it's just the defence in general. We don't have a fantastic left-back. We don't have a fantastic right-back. And we don't have a fantastic right centre-back. But either way, that... an that... amazing... Combination is pretty terrible, you know. Scott Torre. Oh, that's, absolutely! It's that's that, what it was the same reason that Gerard of. Lucas was losing his game. Gerard Lucas as a pairing was losing his games as well. Yeah. But we fixed that. The problem is, is we don't really have an internal solution I to the Sacco right centre back problem. We have Mamadou. Oh, yeah. We have no. We have Sacco. Yeah. For left centre back, Sacco is nailed on there. He's miles miles ahead of all yeah. our other centre backs. Agreed. Then you have the question: Do you want to put Aga left back? Do you want to try and write a centre back? Do you want to get switched to three at the back and put Agger in the middle? We have we have a dilemma. The problem is our strongest right wing back at the moment is Raheem Sterling. Our, our, our strongest full back is probably John Flanagan. Um, and Glenn Flanagan Johnson. Didn't have a good game today. Who? Oh, Flanagan was. I think in the first half he was he, he was kept too casual about things. It's the first time I've seen him and thought he was cocky. He was. Yep, exactly. Taking for granted. You got yeah. it right. Mm-hmm. He was trying things that. Um, he shouldn't be trying. Yeah. And something's got way off hand. Lost the ball many times. People ran past him too many times. Yeah. 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 He got forward a bit uh, too much. I feel like he, he just didn't track back. Yeah, he was well flying enough. into the edge of the, onto the edge of the box. He was doing a Glenn Johnson. Yeah. Um, and you can't have two Glenn Johnsons in a team at the moment. We can't have one. Um, I don't think. I think Glenn Johnson needs to move on. Particular. Particularly if his £110,000 a week wages are true. Yeah. Glenn Johnson on 110k a week <coughs> makes me so, so sad. I feel with um, with Liverpool's defence this season that there's always a goal waiting to happen for the opposition. And I, I remember um, a stat from a few years ago that the player who scored most goals against Liverpool was Jamie Carragher. And I'd be interested to see um, how many goals, if, if you're going to give one of those to Skirtle today, how many goals those two have conceded <laughs> amongst themselves this season. It must be near in cent- uh, double figures now for Torrey and Skirtle with own goals and, and, and penalties combined. I think a lot, of just, ma- 
I think a lot was made of Jamie Carragher's prowess uh, own goal scoring but actually if you look at a lot of them they were when he's doing the very last ditch kind of clearance yeah. you know a, a cross yeah. is flashed across the box and if he doesn't clear it it's going to go on to the head of a striker anyway the thing that annoys me about Skirtland Torre is a lot of their mistakes are just they're so basic you know when Colo Torre lets a ball run past him thinking that Mignolet's got it and then I think it was Boney almost nipped in and got a got the equaliser yeah. or something. That just annoys me so much. And then when you're slicing clearances from outside the six-yard box over your own keeper into the net, you've got to be asking questions. <laughs> he doesn't seem to be um, have any confidence in his own ability. And when that ball for the penalty came in, uh, Daniel Agger was covering, but it just seemed that he was just concerned with Wilfred Borney rather than attacking the ball. And I think that shows a lack of confidence from his perspective that he doesn't feel big enough to compete aerially. So, and we've seen a lot of Skirtle this season of him manhandling strikers. Yeah. And, and in a defender in his heyday, like a John Terry, you won't see John Terry as much with his grappling the opponents because he'll go up and he'll beat them every time in the air. He'll just be stronger and bigger, you know, even if they've got Absolutely. a height disadvantage. And they come from confidence. Sure a... He goes for the ball, I'm not, not sure. for Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it is a, a massively a confidence thing. I think Skirtle is just lacking defensively in terms of quality, and he has to make that up versus big players like Wilfred Boney, who are going to beat him in the air. Yeah, I mean, because we saw it versus um, Matt Smith in the Oldham game. That penalty was just waiting to happen. I'm talking about the Oldham game last season for Matt Smith. He's moved on since, but that penalty was waiting to happen. That could have happened in any game this season because in Basically, every game Skirtle's was played this season, you could have said, well, if the referee had spotted a tug, that's a pen. Mm-hmm. And mm. It's happened this game, and it almost cost us, but it could have happened in so many other games. Yeah, he's done it so many times. Cost us even, even more. I mean, and yet you still defend him, Max. No, 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 I'm sorry. I still think he's a, a good defender, but like you said, like the thing he does regarding grappling is just, just too much. I mean... Is that the first time he's been punished? We should have been punished more than that, you know. The Shelby goal was very impressive, lovely finish. He um, played well today. Uh, yeah, um, leading up to, I think it could have been stopped if if that cross, uh, the, the ball across was wasn't closed down properly, and then Shelby to have that much room on the edge of the area to just get his head up and put it in. Fantastic as it was, it was not good similar, enough. similar in many respects to Henderson's first, wasn't it? When that. Someone comes across the 18-yard box and lays it yeah. off and a, and a first-time finish into the corner. Uh, it was, from Swansea's perspective today, I think Shelby definitely seems to step it up a gear for, for Liverpool games, but um, it's yeah, been a better. marked improvement. <laughs> and, it's been a yeah. marked improvement from our perspective um, since Gary Monk's taken over. We, we've had harsh press uh, in the national media after Loudrup was, was dismissed. It was uh, the media were against the club, the board's decision, because how dare little old Swansea sack, you know, international superstar Michael Loudrup, you know, we should just be glad to have him around. Well, that was the message that was brought across from the media, whereas inside the club and inside the stadium, it's been a long time coming. The fans have long since been detached from Michael Loudrup. He seems to have gone very negative, uh, very defensive, waiting for things to happen, rather than going at teams. And the one thing Gary Monk has done is told the team to make the opposition worry about you. And I think that's the difference today than what you'd have seen under Michael Loudrup. Two early goals we conceded. So you think he should have been sacked? You know, that would have been... Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know what it looks like from the outside coming in, but the general feeling from Swansea fans before he was sacked is that his days were numbered. And um, the timing, uh, you know... People questioning the timing of it leading up to a big derby game, but you know that worked out. Yeah, well. it was during our it was during our last podcast. Yeah, we had like a live reaction. Yeah, there. Was... <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. It, say, it was liked... just one of those things. Sorry, go on. I liked Loudrop. I liked Loudrop, but what I noticed today was that that Gary Monk Swansea side that's as close to the kind of Swansea side of a couple of years ago. Remember their first season in the Prem where they surprised everyone, and they were that's very it. impressive. That's, it's all about that's the kind of Swansea we to, saw today with the yeah, good midfield play, uh, tricky winger, and obviously they didn't have Mitro up front, they had Boney, so it was a slightly different kind of dynamic going forward, but certainly a more traditional Swansea side, closer to a, a Rogers era than yeah, what Loudrop was going on. Yeah, going back to 
going back to what we're about, um, the wide wingers, uh, Nathan Dyer and Wayne Routledge, and misfits from elsewhere who come at Swansea and, and really made themselves at home. And those players, when they run at a fullback, when they can get them one-on-one, they're as good as anyone. They can really cause loads of problems. Dyer didn't have his greatest game today. Wayne Routledge possibly outshone him. But they provide the width, which allows our quick game to happen. Did you yeah. know Rogers in a hand stat from our previous management. But going back to where we came from is the difference. I mean, we can see the two early goals today. Under Loudrup, that would have been a... Let's shut down the barriers here and let's try not to let this be an absolute embarrassing defeat. You know, we would have ended up two, three, four nil maybe because we wouldn't have come at you. But today we just thought, well, a two nil defeat is no good to us. We'll go and try and get back into this game. And you saw the difference, the, the speed of our play um, kind of caught you guys by surprise a little, yeah, I yeah, felt, in the first half. You, you left that space. I'm not saying you weren't prepared for Swansea, but there wasn't any... No, you, we weren't. You, you stunned us after... There was, there was this massive carnival atmosphere after the second goal went in. But we were still we were still looking shaky before that second goal. And then you got one, and we got deflated, and then you got the second, and we, we fell flat. And yeah. then we just managed to pick it up in the end. Mm. Swansea's reaction I think, um, was I got, really good. Yeah, I think you guys, you know, you, you were very clinical in the first half. And I, for my money, I think Swansea perhaps created more than you in the first half. But after the three or four chances Agreed. that you you had, you um, you know, you took them, and that's what separates the top half of the division to the bottom, really. Um, you know, Daniel Sturridge. I still can't believe that that you know Chelsea let him go because I thought he was a quality player in waiting when he was on oh, yeah. the Volta yeah, our, a few those, years ago. You yeah, know? our misfits, our misfits are better than yours, I reckon. Yeah, 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 they they are. They, it's a different caliber of player. I mean, the day that Swansea expects to go to Anfield and get a result is, you know, a day I need to pinch myself. Uh, we were roundly expected to take a beat in here. Be- better teams than us have taken a beat in at Anfield this season. Um, in front of the cop, you know, you've always, yeah, this season in particular, have, have risen to the occasion and, and got, you know, got plenty of goals. Um, so for us to just be in with a shout going into injury time is is a big plus for us. And the fact that, like you said, we did have you rattled for a while, and you know that's credit to Swansea as much as it is to Liverpool's detriment because I think um, Liverpool weren't expecting that, and you know we we came with our as close to our A game as we could, given that we were playing Napoli just a few days ago. Um, I was going to say, I have a couple of questions about that kind of... What, one about just Shelby and Gerrard. How has Shelby been for you guys this season? Because I, I haven't been able to watch much of Swansea. But when I have, Shelby's been iffy, unless he comes up against Liverpool, in which case he brings his game. It's, it's funny. Um, he was man of the match in every sense in the first game, wasn't he? He was the best player for Swansea and the best player for Liverpool uh, on the pitch um, when he uh, <laughs> seemed to assist plenty for both sides. But uh, what what he did, what he does, is he provides that impetus. We got a couple of players, Pablo Hernandez, another who. I would say to an extent uh, uh, are luxury players in that they will try the Hollywood pass and they will try passes that the safer players won't try. You need someone to try them passes because otherwise you're not going to unlock defences in the Premier League. And and Shelby's that kind of player. He's 100%. uh, If we can just hone him down and just make him think, because quite often it's not the luxurious 50-yard pass that doesn't fit for John Joe Shelby. It's the 10-yard simple pass where he's not concentrated. That can you know leave the team in tatters. So I think it's just that slight concentration which at the moment is keeping him back from yeah going to play for in in Brazil well, I think, for England. I think, I think if he didn't have that mentality um, thing problem going on, then perhaps no offense to Swansea, he wouldn't be playing at Swansea. He'd be still oh, at Liverpool because right. that was what we that was what we found. Although he had this this run at the start of the season where he played very well and he was keeping players out of the team. He got a red card versus United, and it kind of went downhill from there. Apart from a couple of very impressive Europa League performances, it kind of he fizzled just, out for him. And his mm-hmm. attitude, clearly, Rogers wasn't having it. But he moved him on. He nails the 50-yard passes. He nails the 30-yard shots, but he missed the tap-ins, the simple 5-yard, 10-yard passes. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it, isn't it? That's that's John Joe Shelby all over. In uh, the show, yeah, it's spectacular. His goal today, for example, you know, he he's hit a spectacular shot from from you know twenty yards. I mean, he has had no chance. 
Um, you know, but the, the same John Shelby then will misplace a five-yard pass. You'll wonder how someone who can pick out the top corner from 20 yards seems to be unable to find a teammate from five. But it's just that yeah, he's just wildly inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, on the, the other, yeah, the other question I had was, um, you played Napoli in midweek. You played Rafa Benitez as Napoli. As a, for a start, how how cool is that for a Swansea fan to have gone from playing in the Championship? To playing against Napoli in a big European night. Yeah, it's um, you know, well, furthermore, you know, we only only ten years ago we were we had to win our last game of the season to keep ourselves in the football league at the bottom of Division Three. So you can imagine how mental the last ten years has been for us Swans fans. But uh, we've just gone from success to success, and what we have done against Napoli. I don't know if any of you guys managed to watch the game. On, I on did Thursday. watch the game, but uh, from I my was, perspective, but again, there, yeah, that's, I'm glad because from my perspective, and it is very one-eyed and biased, but I thought we had the better of Napoli. Um, I thought we kept Higuain very quiet. Uh, Inla, again, you know, they, they've got players that are worth more than our stadium, and you know, and it just, you know, <laughs> to, to perform in a sense to completely, you know, outplay Napoli. Um, you know, time will tell whether we get anything out there, but um, the result on paper looks. Yeah, it's just he's been rejuvenated. I mean, players. People said when Laudrup got sacked, that's it for Hernandez and uh, Canyas and Chico Flores and Michu because these players, you know, they love um, Michael Laudrup and they're not going to play for anyone else. But Pablo Hernandez looks a better player now than he ever did under uh, under Michael Laudrup. So it just goes he's to show. Some I remember him giving. I remember him giving us problems in the cup last year where you knocked us out. Like, yeah, yeah. He was, he he was very impressive. He's another one. Uh, I mentioned him earlier in terms of luxury players. He's another one who can, you know, put the ball, you know, on a six. He can turn the six points or put a ball on the plate for a striker. Um, and, and, you know, two minutes later, then misplace a five yard pass. But he seems to have really changed that. Um, this, you know, the last five or six games, he's been one of our standout performers, and he hasn't reached that level of consistency for us before. So I think he'll be enjoying his game. Chico Flores, another one who stepped up to the plate, and um, you know, conceding four goals is never good in a in a football match. But you know, barring Sturridge's header aside, I can't really draw too much fault with um, with with Swansea's play today. I think in the end, it was just superior finishing from Liverpool that won the game. Mm-hmm. Even with Sturridge's header, though, that was just Luis Suarez. He, I mean, he bends over three, mm-hmm. right over the head of three players. Yeah, and then yeah. Sturridge Every- rises, admittedly un- unchallenged. But I think everyone was just a bit amazed because it's outside the foot, and that, that's what he does. Yeah, yeah. If you just t- switch off a half a second against Sturridge and Suarez, and you're going to get punished. And you saw that in the first two minutes. Um, was it uh, Raheem Sterling? With the outside of yeah. his boot, who played played Sturridge through, um, that was, you know, so was a fantastic ball. ball. And yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. what Liverpool and that's what Rodgers did at Swansea as well. He brought so much pace to Liverpool's front line, and that's what he did at Swansea. I mean, he brought Scott Sinclair to Swansea in the Championship for just five hundred thousand. Um, so what he likes to do is he likes his wingers to be. You know, hurting the back line of the opposition all game, go at them, run at them, and just give them problems. And you can see what he's doing at Liverpool now. And I'm glad that Liverpool fans have, um, you know, have taken to him because there was that initial doubt I know from Liverpool fans when the results weren't going your way at the start of last season over whether or not he was up to it. But it's all about, you know, when someone's coming with a completely different philosophy, you kind of need to let that ride out the bad results for a few weeks or months and then, you know, judge him at the end of the season, I guess. I was talking to one of my... I've always been a fan of Rodgers. It's defensively a bit shaky. Sorry, Matt. (laughs) Just say say what you have to say quickly, but we're going to move on to um, talking about the specifics about the game, like Man of the Match. Yeah. Just be quick, man. Uh, I was talking to one of my friends recently about uh, Rodgers, and would you say Mm. he's a long-term manager or... Someone who just you know tries and does something when he completes it, it's just done and dusted. It, yeah, I um, being yeah, I think I can see I can see Rogers staying staying at Liverpool for a while. Um, he left. He did walk out on Watford um, to go to Reading, 
uh, didn't work out with Red, and he got sacked after six months. Um, and he couldn't get an interview, would you believe, at League One clubs after that. Um, but Swansea have had a history. I don't know how much you guys know about our recruitment of managers previously. Uh, obviously, Rogers, uh, Roberto Martinez, the, the Everton manager now. And, you know, um, Kenny Jacket before him. They're all managers who have brought something to the table. And, you know, a few of them have gone on to bigger and better things. Um, Rogers will probably be at his level now with Liverpool. I can't see him going. And where would he go? Um, he's, he's in the top four with Liverpool, really challenging, pushing Man City and Chelsea. So I think if he's going to be at that level, higher than that, I can't really see him going abroad anytime soon because what can, he does well is he brings yeah. the Continental game into the English league and he gets a benefit from that. If he takes that over to Real Madrid or Barcelona and plays their style of football for them, then he hasn't really got that advantage anymore, has he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was talk that some people were saying Rodgers could be a potential suitor to the England job because people have had enough of Hodgson. Amazingly, like yeah. a fantastic manager, Roy Hodgson, <laughs> with such tactical insight and such modern methods. and He had such success at top clubs like Liverpool. I don't see why people would want him out of the England job. But anyway, the problem, Rodgers, Rodgers won't get the England job because Rodgers is a forward-thinking manager and England don't appoint forward-thinking <laughs> managers. They only appoint managers who agree to call up the names, not the players. So, you know, unfortunately, I don't think Rodgers is going to fit in with the FA's vision of just oh, making sure that... Of who will be the next England manager? It'll have to be English because the, the FA turned down Pep Guardiola on the basis that he wasn't English. So have a think about that. Um, Maybe Sam Allardyce. Yes. <laughs> the biggest... Yeah. They've got Sam to find Allardyce the biggest yes-man, I think, that they can. And Hodgson's fitting that bill quite well at the moment, so I think he's safe. OK. So, moving on to kind of our final match report. Man of the match for anyone? Henderson, probably. Mm. OK. Yeah, I give it to Henderson. Matt? Um, I really thought about this. Uh, yeah, Henderson was um, was lively in the middle. Um, I haven't really thought from a Swansea perspective. Maybe. Yeah, I think um, for Swansea, probably um, I give it. I thought to... Boney was very. I thought yeah. Boney was very impressive for the whole game. I yeah. said I, I tweeted mm-hmm. before the game. I reckon it would be two-two with a Boney goal because Boney against Agger and Skirtle, Boney was always going to have a, a good day. Yeah, he seems to he seems to be growing every game at the moment. And what he's doing is we're using him to his strengths now. For the first part of the season, we weren't, and now we we know that Boney can hold off two or three players on his own. So that allows others to get into space. So we're using his ability, his strength, where he can just hold the likes of Daniel Aga off at arm's length and allow someone to get in behind. And mm, um, and that's why yeah, uh, and that's so why strong. now you have Dyer and Rotlitz running. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I felt wrong with, with Michu. Really yeah, with Michu in the space behind Boney, you guys could go far with the, with that team because Boney's a quality striker and so is Michu. I think then you have to work on. I like Jonathan de Guzman, but then do you really have a, a big, strong defensive mid? We don't. We got. Um, is a, there's um, it's a, the most ignored man in, and this is why I think Hodgson's safe because uh, any forward-thinking manager, maybe like a, a Brendan Rodgers in charge of England, would have given uh, Leon Britton a call-up, who yeah. has been good you know, one of the best defensive midfielders in England. I think Scott Parker had his little moment in the headlights, and Michael Carrick likewise. But there's been a con- continued ignorance over Leon Britton, and unfortunately now he's at you know he's 30, 31. So I don't think he's going to get a look in now because they're looking for the next fresh face. Um, but you Not know, and Nathan Dyer, you know, and Nathan Dyer is another name who's been roundly ignored. And if they're thinking about taking Adam Johnson to Brazil because he's played three or four good games, you know, for Sunderland this season, you know, ignoring someone like Nathan Dyer who's had you know who's been consistently good for three years in the Premier League is criminal, but then I don't expect anything less, to be honest with you. So I don't expect he's going to get a call-up. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say for Swansea, probably Ashley Williams or Tico Flores today. Williams had a good, strong game. For me, mm-hmm. I'm going to go controversial. I'm going to go my game-changer, Joe Allen. You were talking about Liam Britton. Yeah, he's, 
he's a good player. I mean, he played well against Fulham and Cardiff. Especially Cardiff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a very... Yeah, yeah he's very sound. Like, um, like Joe Allen. Just does his job well. Don't expect recognition. No, that's... Yeah, that's spot on. That is absolutely spot on. This is what they miss out on, is you look at a central midfielder and from... The FA's perspective or the England manager's perspective, they're looking, how many goals does he score? Does he score as many as uh, Gerrard and Lampard? How many assists does he get? Does he get as many as Gerrard and Lampard? And if he doesn't, then they they seem to think that that's not good enough. Whereas what uh, Leon Britton allows is he will clean up against the biggest and the best players. Um, and he will take the ball off them like they're not even there. No respect for you know the players he's coming up against. He's just a cleaner. And what that allows is the other players then to go and express themselves. And he just cleans up all game, no problem. You know he's absolutely adored by the Swansea fans for that reason. You know he is the one that will fly under the radar and no one will pick up on him. And um, you know he really brought Joe Allen on big time last. Uh, you know, the season before last, because what he did was he allowed Joe Allen to express himself and, you know, and that gave him the opportunity to join a club like Liverpool. Um, you know, he's, he's such an ignored player. But, you know, if he had been called up for England two or three years ago, then Swansea wouldn't have him. So yeah. I guess it's a benefit, really. Blessing in disguise. Question for you, Will, was whether you thought Joe Allen was, um, was value for money at 15 million? Yeah, <laughs> I think if we'd got him cheaper, it would have been a lot nicer. But actually, fifteen, yeah, yeah, I think he is a, a, a fi- considering you always pay more when a player is British because that's how the market seems to work. I think if we paid ten million for him as a you know a, a Spanish twenty-three-year-old, then bargain. So fifty million pound for a British player with the inflated market at that time. Yeah, I think it's fair. I wouldn't call him a bargain, but I'd say he's um he was a good signing, and I think he should be starting for us. Ahead of we've, um, well I think a formation change is in order because I'd like to play a midfield of a kind of diamond of Gerard at the bottom, with Allen and Henderson as the the pivot, and then Coutinho at the top of the diamond. Um, myself and Roy like the three four three diamond, so that's what we're rocking with. Mm-hmm. But we are two defenders away from that, so we can scrap that for now. <laughs> really though, yeah, I think really you get three at the back, you need yeah. to make them a good three. Zacco, we we need a right centre back is what we need. Because Sterling would play. Sterling would be a good inside forward for a three four three. He's got the work rate. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, how you could do with the likes of Sammy Hoopia in your back line again now. Oh, so oh, oh no. nonsense in centre half. Not a big Sammy Hoopia fan, are you? Very big no, Sammy I love Sammy. Oh, oh right, okay. Sammy. Very tears. <laughs> you meant, no. Painful. In tears. It's painful to think of. He's uh, <laughs> probably my favourite player when I was a kid. Oh, he was a hero, wasn't he? We could, yeah, I loved him. I mean, he's, he's currently doing he's currently doing a good job at Leverkusen. If we could bring him in, if we could tempt him, um, imagine Sammy Hippie. Because our, our, our assistant manager is Colin Pascoe, and this bugs me. Because I have no idea what Colin Pascoe does, other than wear short shorts. I've never seen him contribute anything to the team. I've never seen he him make a, a suggestion. Fan- manager. Yeah, he's fantastic at riding... Um... The quarters of someone else, isn't he? He's gone with, he's come over with Rogers, isn't he? And um, they're good friends. I think he's gone because managers often believe that first and foremost, when they go and join a club, they need to surround themselves with people they trust. Yeah. Um, that's where you see wholesale changes in the backroom staff when a manager comes in. And I think yeah. over his time here, he built an affinity and a friendship with um, Colin Pascoe and what he lacks perhaps in. Coaching uh, prowess and you know in, you know motivational speeches um, and he's just someone that Rogers can can mouth off to knowing that it sticks with it between the four walls you know um, I I don't know what he brings to be honest with you he had a successful time at Swansea and Liverpool aren't doing so bad so he must be doing something right behind the scenes <laughs> yeah I, th- I think it's more he just he's a, he's a leech isn't he if you've ever watched Two and a Half Men 
Like yeah. we have we have Brendan Rodgers, who is your Charlie Sheen, all action manager, and then we have Colin Pasco, who is Alan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, because if Swansea to Liverpool change, that's that's now you you were Charlie Sheen, you are Charlie Sheen, but Liverpool Kutcher, so Colin Pasco switched and managed to survive the transition and is still living in the Malibu beach house. Whereas I'd like to move him out and bring in the lovable Sammy Hippier <laughs> to be the assistant manager. He would never that's, be an that's assistant. Mine. This is quite an analogy. No, but Sammy oh, Hippier... We, we're good at storytelling on the podcast. <laughs> Sammy would never I, I be think... the assistant manager. I mean, he's doing a great job with Bayer Leverkusen. Like, got into the Champions mm-hmm. League already. I mean, I can't... Yeah, but if he was ever sacked at Leverkusen, which can happen to managers... Yeah, of course, but I mean... I'd be on the phone offering him a job at Liverpool. Oh, yeah, I mean, of course he would try and offer, but he wouldn't accept. I can't see him accepting it. He's more of a, you know, manager type, obviously. I think think, think if he he became assistant manager, he'd have an actual say in affairs, unlike Pasco, who just kind of sits there. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's the type of man. Yeah. I think um, Sammy Hopi is the type of man who will probably... Uh, want to be number one. He seems that yeah. character, to be honest. He doesn't seem one of those um, people who would stake uh, in the background and just want to be an assistant forever. Uh, I think he'd like to be... He'd probably come over to the Premier League one day if he keeps it up. But I don't think he probably wouldn't come over as a number two or a defensive coach or anything like that. Like once you've cut your teeth in management, you want to stick in nothing. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. From from Swansea's perspective, uh, there's been a big upheaval with management as well. And we've lost all our coaches, um, all the ones that Loudrop brought with him, or we got rid of them as well, rather. So um, it's really intriguing to see how much or how little. It, it, it depends how much you can read into the first five or six games of a new manager anyway. But um, when you look at the Swansea performances, uh, when Michael Loudrop was at the end of his tenure, when... We lost 2-0 to West Ham, who had 10 men and didn't have a shot on target all game. And you compare that to today, where we matched Liverpool for large periods of the game. And you think of all the coaches and and geniuses of the football world that we've lost in the meantime. It makes you wonder how much these actually contribute to to the success of a club and how much of it is just, you know, a job for the boys. It just seems, you know, we're getting results and we haven't really got a big... We haven't really got a big coaching team at the moment, and whilst we're not, you know, we're not beating Liverpool, and we're not, you know, beating the big teams, but the performances are yeah. just—they're black and white in comparison. You know, they're not even close to being the same as what Loudrop was achieving. We've we've stepped it up two or three gears in the last um, four or five weeks, and it's just so much nicer to be a Swansea fan today than it was, you know, six weeks ago, without a shadow of a doubt. Were you expecting Monk to be the manager, or? <clears throat> When I heard that he was being given the job in, in interim uh, terms, then I just thought that looking at Hugh Jenkins' track record, he doesn't uh, give people um, the job in the interim unless he genuinely believes that they have a chance of staking a claim. He's very, very shrewd. And he's another one who's quite unspoken. So he can sometimes come across and appear to be quite distant with what he's doing, but he's always got his eyes on what he, what the next big thing is. Uh, six, I think it was nine months after Rogers got at Swansea, um, Hugh Jenkins was already, already looking for a new manager um, because he knew that uh, Rogers was destined to leave. Um, a similar thing happened with Michael Loudrop last season. Midway through last season, we won the Capital One Cup and already Hugh Jenkins was, was looking for new managers. So it's not really oh, stepping on the manager's toes as such, but always looking one step ahead of the game because you can't be reactive in this business. You need to be proactive, don't you? Because if you're looking for a manager only when your current manager leaves you, then you're, you know, you're six, eight weeks behind the process and you, you kind of find yourselves looking around at the end of a transfer window to put a manager in place without you know any business dealings in place. So it's... It's, it's a careful process, but I think he's already earmarked Gary Monk. And as long as Hugh Jenkins wants him in place, 
they're not good enough for Swansea fans. Um, and I think he's doing well. I think he's brought yeah. back the old Swansea, as mentioned earlier. So, you know, as long as he can keep up the intensity and keep up the passion that's back in the team, then um, the Swans fans are completely behind him. He's already a Swansea legend. Um, so he's got that. He's got, he's got a head start on other managers. So, you know, things are looking bright at the moment. Mm-hmm. I see um, Lordrup being like their glitch for us, in a way. Like we had Benitez for... How many years? Seven, eight years, was it? Very successful manager. Near enough. Yeah, near enough. Yeah, very successful manager. Then, yeah, we screwed up with Roy Hudson, so it's okay. Then we had Kenny Douglas to just um, put back the, the ship afloat. Then after a year and a half, he left, and then Rogers came in. So I can see Gary Monk being the Rogers. Off Liverpool. I'd argue. I'd argue that Douglas didn't kind of didn't steady the ship in any way at all. I mean, like um, footballing terms, yeah, I guess, but financially, probably not. After the yeah. rubbish had with yeah. Roy Hodgson, then what Douglas did was quite good, I think. Yeah, he mm. won us a trophy, and he'll he'll always have that. He got us to two. He got us um to two. What was it? Four four Wem four Wembley visits yep. in the end. Mm-hmm. So or three. three. Personally, I wouldn't so have seen Douglas um, being there for five, ten years, but two, one and a half is quite close to my estimation. Mm. 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 Same thing with Swansea. Having Rogers and then um, getting Lodrup as the Douglas to steady the ship and stuff. Then now you have Gary Monk who could probably go very far. Right. Yeah. Is it striking to announce that Gary, Gary Monk looks like that guy from Homeland? <laughs> nice. Just a little, yeah. Is it just, just a little. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember his name, but it's that guy from Homeland. That main gar- character, isn't he? Yeah, it's um, it's quite interesting. Football um, insight. How... <laughs> He's quite interesting how the media are perceiving this this change and how outspoken they were once Loudrop was sacked and how little they've said since Swansea's performances have improved. In the meantime, it's like they don't want to admit that they were, you know, misinformed when Set, they were... Says it's about the media, media really. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's very much they kind of put a story out there and, you know, blast one club or one player or whatever. And then when something happens to the contrary, uh, they go on to another story rather yeah. than print about... Yeah, we, we, had to, we, had to put up with John, we had to put up with John Cross in the summer with his literal blasting, boom. <laughs> The Suarez deal is done, um, mm. which was quite embarrassing for him because it really wasn't at all. And right. John Cross okay. is just—I don't know—I don't know how he's still employed. That means if you made such a monumental fuck up in your job as you'd predict five signings and none of them came off, so let, let's apply this somewhere else. If you're a teacher and you say, "Okay, I've got five classes; they're all going to get straight A stars, and none of them pass their GCSE," you'd get sacked, wouldn't you? You'd be sacked. So how has he still got his job as an a misinformed, poor writer? I know, I know, it's the, I know it's the the mirror. So it's it's not a high class, impressive sporting journal, but still, like, well, he, maybe, maybe he gets the reins, doesn't he? I mean, that's that's it. Maybe a better analogy is is John Cross is a teacher who is teaching his pupils completely the wrong thing all year. And they still come out with A's and B's. So he's doing the wrong things. Like he's predicting the wrong things. And he's getting his stories completely wrong. But if he's selling papers on the back of some sensational false headline, then he's doing his job as far as Mirror are concerned. Well, yeah. um, so okay, I guess that, that's very, however he that's goes around point. it, <laughs> that's his job, isn't it? Yeah. Great, yeah. great headlines. Yeah. Get more reads, we get, get more money. We get it all. Yeah, exactly. So that concludes our... Liverpool Swansea evaluation and our general talk about Swansea very interesting club many many thanks to Matt who's been really insightful for us and I mean he was nailed on a second ago about John Cross selling papers love that so thanks very much Matt and if you'd like to say goodbye to everyone we're very grateful no problem thanks for having me as well and uh, be sure to invite uh, me and or or a fellow Swans fan on next season because uh, I don't see us in uh, relegation problems so um, so yeah it's uh, it's looking up thanks for having me anyway cheers it's alright defiant statement good job
Cheers. Cheers, guys. Yeah, yeah. cheers. <laughs> Alright, so now we'll be talking about the our preview against Southampton, which is the 1st of March on a Saturday. Late kickoff. So it's away. Tough match. Looking at our away form, it's not exactly brilliant. Look at the form table now. Liverpool are in first place with 14 points, while Southampton have got nine. But to be fair to them, they've had really tough fixtures. And they've done well in them. Mm-hmm. But they think? lost to West Ham 3-1 though. Yeah, so. they, yeah they lost to West Ham 3-1 today. It's going to be a tough match. Then again, they did let Cotton Cole score against them. <laughs> okay, so into Southampton, we're going to have to make, I think, a bit of a tactical reshuffle in order to deal with their their strengths. And they do have some good strengths as a team. Uh, they got some strong fullbacks, and they've got a very, very strong centre of the centre of the park. Snyderland could cause us a lot of problems. So, I'd rock with a four-three-three, going back to Zoko at left back, just because just far more defensively. So you would drop Johnson. I would drop Johnson. He, he hasn't improved. Would you consider yeah, putting Flanagan at left back and Johnson at right? I mean, the thing is, if we put Sissoko on, we've basically got no attack on the on our fullbacks. So it's not an issue. Mm. So uh, with Southampton, it'll be a case of stopping their fullbacks from attacking us. We we've our attacks proved that it doesn't need the, our attack does not need the support of the wing backs. At all, but if you look at the assists that Flanagan and Suzuka have provided us, it, barely anything, and we still scored a lot of goals. So that's not an issue. So predictions, everyone. Two one Liverpool. Three two Southampton. I'll go for three one Liverpool. All right. So we'll be answering your questions now, and if you want to leave a question for next week's show just go on our twitter page at LFC Fans Corner and just ask one is Jordan Henderson good enough to be a regular for a Champions League team fighting for the title yes yep yep yeah I agree his work rate is immense okay yeah but also he's demonstrated a technical ability this year yeah but his engine is very important to us yeah and he can only get better as I say, he keeps on running. Was that just a dead joke? Yep, that is. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> oh. Next question. What do we do with Fabio Barini, who is impressing at Sunderland? Well, I would sell Aspas and, you know, bring Barini as the Aspas role on the Absolutely, bench. Absolutely, and have, 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 Barini, have Barini off the bench. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, next question. Why do you think we concede so many against smaller teams? I think we just get... I, don't, I just don't think we get ready for the teams, to be honest. I think we're a bit too cocky at times. Well, we concede... The problem is, the reason we concede, we don't concede, seemingly don't concede as many goals versus teams like City and Chelsea, we still do concede a lot of goals. But, A, it's... You know, it's Chelsea you, and, well, City you expect to be shipping goals against. But also, we play a more open style of football than anyone else in the league. Um, and, you know, that that's how it works. You know, if you play an open game, we're not as open versus teams like City, so yeah, we're going to be more defensively stable. Versus smaller teams, we go out all out attack, and we can do goals. Name three players you would bring on during the summer. Okay, we'll go first. Or is it, does it have to be like realistic? Yeah, realistic. If we get mm-hmm. Champions League. I'd say, okay, I'd say a right, I'd say a right centre back and then Matteo Kovacic and, see it's not realistic but I go Draxler because he's well the only player who could replace Gerard. Mm-hmm. Alright, you Roy? I'll go with, um, Stephen Cocker. That's a good shout. Oh. Yep. Um, probably Oliver Sock to cover both fullbacks, and either Mvila or Jordi Classy. 
for midfield. Do you think Fernando will be a bit out of our reach? I think um, any interest is gone by now. Probably. Defensive midfield is must, and so is a right centre back, as Will pointed out. I think M- mm. Mvia would be good. Mm. Um, it's a bit far fetched, but Ra- oh, how do you say that? Rakitic. Ra- uh... Rakitic. That's it. It's not as far fetched. Not as far fetched as Draxler. Yeah, He'll be a brilliant signing, but I'm a dr- I'm a dreamer. <laughs> Next question. What to do with Suso next season, and why Schwari is not scoring lately? What to do with Suso was that? Yeah. Same thing as Borini. Oh. Off the bench. Yeah, um, Suso could be useful for off the bench. I mean, Suso recently, recently talked about uh, going on loan again to Almeria next season. What do you think of it? I mean, depends on who we bring in. If you bring in enough forwards and someone who could rotate with Coutinho, then yeah, probably alone. Yeah. Otherwise, long term, like, he could be playing it. He could be playing a kind of Xabi Alonso role, a bit deeper, or maybe deeper. even as the like the register role where Gerard is at the moment. Suso. Yeah, he and he and Alberto can play that role, I think. And Suarez not scoring lately. Why do you think that is? Uh, he'll get. He'll get. He'll get back. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's been playing out wide, and I think he's a tiny bit tired. I think but he's been contributing to the team a bit more, too. I mean, It's only been five games, though. Yeah. And the previous four games, he played really well without scoring. Yeah. Only today, he was a bit off. And he's still and, set up a goal. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, and he still set up goals, and yeah, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah, I mean, like, but no a lot of caught. bad luck moments, though. Yeah, but I think you have to remember, it's like, it's like with Coutinho, and we asked why Coutinho's form dipped from last season Suarez gets closed down so much like when he's on the ball there are three defenders around him like instantly and that's like taken how Torres was yeah. at one moment mm-hmm. even worse than that I think people think that Suarez is more of a threat than Torres because he is um, but Torres but yeah. is much closer to the defenders though playing yeah. up top yeah but he used to burst through didn't he mm-hmm yeah, I think defenders are more okay, scared of Torres, to be honest. No, I think it's just because he's closer to them. Like, he's right right in front of them, but Suarez drops deeper and builds up from there. Um, Reina or Mignolet? Mignolet. Long term. Mignolet. Yeah, Mignolet. Well, yeah, old old Reina. Old Reina. I would have old Reina any day. But, but. Mignolet. Hmm? Um... What happens when Lucas returns with regarding to the starting XI? Bench. Bench? Yep. I really like uh, Gerard Deep, yeah. Anderson in the middle and Coutinho um, running horizontally across the midfield. I wouldn't change that at all. Yeah, I mean, at, at yeah. first, when Gerard was deep, I wasn't too sure about it, but he's really he's done well. <laughs> How on earth can you rate Martin Skirtle? <laughs> hey, hey. I don't remember asking a question. What's happened with Luis Alberto? I really don't know. He must be doing it's something wrong anyone. in training. I mean, who's Luis Alberto again? <laughs> I heard he's been scouting kind of Playanka. To be honest. Hmm. Oh, good banter, Max. Good banter. I know, right. <laughs> no, but... Seriously, I mean... He must be doing something wrong in training, of course. Maybe his attitude isn't right. I don't know. Is he unfit, or is he just... Out of no, 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 no. He's fit. I mean, he's been all in all the training photos. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not even in the under-21s team. There must be something... Up... I mean, I, I remember Will suggested that he was homesick. But the article was like um, four months ago, five months ago. Yeah. I wouldn't be bothered about that, to be honest. There's only one yeah. man who I, I regret know, being homesick. Undoubtedly talented. Yeah. There's only one mm. man who I regret being homesick, and that's Aquilani. Good shout. 
Are you, are you serious? I rated him. I like Aquilani as well. When he was at Roma. Do you see Henderson as our captain in a few years? Yes. No. Mm. I suppose some you, you could say he's got captain material. Assuming no one leaves, I think it would be Gerard Egger, then Egger Suarez, then Suarez Henderson. You really think Suarez would be in contention of being permanent captain? If he doesn't leave, then probably. Last question. Who are your five favourite ex-Liverpool players, but they're foreign players? Mm. Does Ke- does Kenny Dalglish count as a foreigner, as a Scotsman? He does, but I mean, for, not from the like, UK. You, you've watched, so. Oh, like people basically Rafa period players, basically in a sense. So um, you got like you got you've got you've got your hippies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alonso, obviously. Hippia, Alonso, Mascherano, Garcia. Oh, Mascherano. Torres. Torres. I would say, well, Aurelia. Risa. Luis Garcia, of course. I would say Aquilani. Alonso, Mascherano. Um, Torres. Keep ya. Say what now? Nah. As much as I hate Torres, I love him. Yep. And then it's either... It's either Garcia or Agar or Coit. Oh, actually, Dirk Count would... um, He would replace... Probably Garcia, actually. (gasps) No, you can't replace Luis Garcia. I loved him. Yeah, but I have a big thing for Aurelio. Loved Aurelio, and I couldn't really. I suppose we could take Mash out because I loved him as a player, but he was always, he was never. I don't know. He's he's put some quotes in the media recently. Yeah, exactly. I was about to bring that up. So I've count recently. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He said that I'm I'm an adopted scouser playing in Turkey. Love it. Jordan Henderson is kind of like the midfield dirt count with a bit more technical ability. Yeah. All right, so that's it. Cheers for sending in the questions. Uh, that's episode six done and dusted. Let's hope for a Southampton win, and we'll see you next week. Bye.